Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, we're going to go back to what we've been talking about for what this is week number four. Is it four? Can you believe that? And an Anderson in a series. Wow. (laughs) Who thought it might be two weeks and now it's four. Oh, wow. How about that? Anyway, when we've been talking about praying for your children, it's an important topic. You know, I, you know, I know that we have a lot of people in here whose children are grown because some of our younger ones are serving, you know, younger uh, people with young families are serving and hopefully they're listening to these, these, um, messages, but, you know, praying for your children goes on at every age. No matter what age they are, they need your prayers, and there are specific things they need your prayers for, and uh, what we've said all along is I'm not giving you nine things for you to make a list and just start going down it like a laundry list. That's not what it's for. It's to make you mindful of, of areas that your children need prayer in, and it's really for you to take and let the Holy Ghost tell you what you need to pray about at any specific time. You know, tomorrow it might be that they need favor. On Friday it might be that, it might be that God leads you to pray about protection. On another day it might just be that you pray about the heart, the heart this, this child has, no matter what age they are. You know, there's so many things. And so let's just run through them real quick. Number one, we talked about praying that your children would comprehend the love of God. They would fully come to understand how much God loves them. You know, until they know how much God loves them, they will never be able to fully understand how much he wants to do for them. Because everything he does comes out of a place of his love, out of his, out of, that's where his character is. That's where his goodness is. It's just in his love. And they need to make sure that, that you need to make sure that they understand how very much God loves them no matter what. Is he always going to be happy about the things they do and, and actions that they take and decisions that they make? No. But he loves them regardless And he's always waiting for them. You know, I understand what it's like as a teenager to to stray away from the things of God. But just, and it was hard for me, you know, because at some point I did not have a concept of God's love. Because, I mean, the church I grew up in was kind of like fire and brimstone kind of a place. You know, every time you came to church, you felt like I got to repent over something. And after a while, you just kind of got hardened to everything. And so you didn't, you didn't care anymore, you know, but God wants us to know how much he loves us. You know, when you just need to pray that your children have an understanding of how very much God loves them at all times in their lives, no matter what, no matter when, no matter where, his love is there waiting for them. You know, it's not God that moves away and distance himself. It's us that distance ourselves from the love of God. So we just want to pray about that. We want to pray that, that our children maintain a tender heart toward the things of God. I'm a perfect example of, pe- of someone who got hard-hearted, just insulated, inoculated, you know, uh, encased in my own in my own world, in my own life. I didn't care what God had to say about anything. And fortunately, you know, somebody was praying 
You know, by this time, you know, it was, I, I hadn't only had parents who were praying, but a husband who was praying. And uh, God just used, used somebody just to help break down the walls, you know, so that my heart was open to the things of God again. Listen, if you're having problems with your children, if they're having attitude issues, if they're having, being hard to get along with, you know, don't chalk it up to, oh, it's just the teenage years. Oh, it's just a phase. Oh, it's just this. No, it's the devil is what it is. It's a combination of the flesh and an attack of the enemy, and it needs to be dealt with. Sometimes it's dealt with just in prayer. Sometimes it's dealt with in more than just prayer. There are, all, there are natural things that go along with every one of these nine categories that we're going to be talking about. There's a natural side and there's a spiritual side. There are actions that as parents you have to put into place that reinforces what you're praying about. You know, but sometimes, you know, we forget that, that the problem isn't that they've got a nasty attitude. It's a problem. It's a heart issue. You know, they need to soften their heart. You ever had a child that no matter what you did, they just like not going to be moved by anything? That's a hard-hearted child. And God can get through to them. And you need to pray that God does get through to them. Um, number three, we talked about wisdom. Oh, my heavens, wisdom. I mean, that's what all Proverbs is about, is wisdom. about. I mean, that, that's what I love about Proverbs is because it covers so many practical areas of life. And that's why Solomon recorded these things that his parents taught him. They need wisdom, and they need to learn wisdom from an early age. They know how to yield to the flesh. They're born doing that, but they don't know how to yield to wisdom. And so it's up to us to not only pray for them, but to guide them into what is good, sound wisdom in their lives, and eventually, you know, see that they begin to take charge, you know, in areas for themselves, and they exhibit godly wisdom in areas. As they grow older and older, we, you need to pray that God's wisdom shows up more and more and more evidently in their lives. Number four was protection. So many times, you know, we, we just, you know, just over the years have just had a sudden, you know, urge, burden to pray for one of our children. And, uh, you know, year, several years ago, um, gracious, I don't know how long it's been, Steve was was beginning to travel the world, and, he, and the company he was working for at the time was based in Israel, and so he was going to Israel, and I think when, when he left, I said to him, listen, don't forget what Dad Hagen said. Keep your spiritual antenna up at all time. You know, here he is. He's, you know, I guess he was in his 30s by this time, and I said, keep your spiritual antenna up, but that doesn't leave out Mama and Daddy praying for him. So he gets to Israel, and while he's there, we hear on the news that there has been a bombing in the town he's in. And we're going, okay, well, we've prayed, so we know he's got to be okay. So he calls after he gets home. We said, so how you doing? He goes, I'm fine, why? And he said, well, uh, didn't you know what happened while you were there? He goes, oh, he said, you know, we were sitting at a restaurant. And we heard a loud noise, didn't think too much of it. And then people started running. He said, I, I didn't think too much of it until later I found out there had been a bombing just a few blocks away. And I'm going, thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, doesn't matter what age they are. Don't assume it just because they're too young for, you know, like they're not driving, so I don't need to pray. No, don't ever assume anything. You be a person who's a parent 
with a Holy Ghost that is talking to you and that you're listening to all the time. You don't know how old they might be and need your, need your prayers of protection. You don't know. So just always be open and available for God to say, pray. Um, then there was favor. Favor. Favor is a massive thing. You know, we get so much further in, the, in life when we walk in divine favor. Your children need to walk in divine favor from the very first day they are out of your sight. Actually, sometimes you, they might need favor with you. My children have needed favor with me more times than one. <laughs> but they need favor everywhere they go. They need favor. Now, if they're going to have favor, they're going to have to exhibit wisdom. They're going to have to exhibit, exhibit favor right back. You know, but God's favor is available for them in any situation, whether it's just young, when they're young, with their classmates at school, with their teachers at school, with, with anybody. It doesn't matter. As they get older and they venture out more into the world, there are more and more people they'll come in contact with, more and more situations they'll have to deal with, and they need favor in every single one of those situations. Number six was find and fulfill God's plan for their lives. How huge this is. Oh, my goodness. How huge. God has a plan. God has a plan for their lives. Just like Jeremiah said, I know the thoughts I think toward you. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God's got a plan. They need to, to learn early to begin to look to God for the plan for their life. You know, it, it even starts when they're young. Okay, what classes do I take next year when it becomes an elective? You know, what classes, Lord, would you want me to take? They need to know that God's interested in every part of their lives. It's not just something that, okay, just what everybody does. No, what does God want me to do? My Steve put his hands on a computer when he was, I don't know, in the fifth grade, one of those Commodore 64 things, you know. And, and from there on, I mean, he knew that's where he was going. And that his life was directed that way. He, and God just supernaturally took him and gave him favor and, and opportunities all along the way, even when he was in high school and up into college. And, and then since he's been out in the, in the business world. And you know, it starts early. Don't, don't, don't look at your children and think, well, okay, they're about to graduate from high school. Now we need to start talking about what God's got for their lives. No, you need to start talking about that when they're two. When they're two you know, or younger, it makes a difference how you pray. You know, maybe you'll know. We, we talked about the fact that, that Samson, that God gave his, his parents definite instructions before he was even born about what to do and how to raise him. It's very possible that God would give the parents of today specific instructions before a child is born about how they should be raised. Um, I can guarantee you he gives you specific instructions. It's called the Word of God. And you can find a great deal of instruction right here. But there may be specific things attached to your child that need to be prayed out. It's up to them to eventually discover it and to walk in it without being pushed into it, without being somebody else telling them what it is. They need to know for themselves what God's plan for their lives is. And... Um, you know, if you come to prayer on Monday nights, 
there is something interesting that I have found over the years of coming to prayer on, on Monday nights is there are times when I'm just praying along and I hear my pastor begin to speak out prophecy. And there are times I just stop and begin to listen to what he's praying out. And sometimes it ministers to me about a particular situation. Maybe it brings enlightenment in a particular situation. I know it's just him and God talking at the moment, but if he's praying it loud enough for me to hear it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen and I'm going to hear what God is saying because that's who's talking at the point at that moment. This past Monday night, I heard him praying, and I stopped, and I began to listen. And I wrote it down. I made sure I had it mentally and stuck in my head so that I would not forget it. And so I came back, and I wrote it down. And it said, he, he was praying this out, and this is exactly what, it, what he said. If it's not God's plan, it has no future. If it's not God's plan, it has no destiny. If it's not God's plan, the pieces will never fit together. Spoken by the Spirit of God. It's important that our children follow the plan of God for their lives. You know, it's, it's for people like me, you know, we, we took a detour along the way. Fortunately, he brought, brought us back to where we needed to be. But you know, there are people who detour from the plan of God and never find their way back. Your children should not be among that group. Your children should be children who always follow the plan of God for their lives. Always. Because if it's not God's plan, it has no future. If it's not God's plan, it has no destiny. And if it's God's plan, the pieces will never fit together. That's something that's going to stick with me. Something that needs to stick with you. And it applies to anything and everybody. Whether you're praying it out for your children, whether you're praying it out for yourself, no matter what, it still applies to you. And that's really, you know, what's interesting is, you know, no matter how many of these things that we go through talking about our children, it applies it can apply to you as well. You know, it can apply to your life. It can apply to your situation. I don't care how old you are. You know, it's not just about your children, but we're talking specifically about these are things that need to be prayed over your children. So the plan of God is an important thing because God's got a destiny for everyone. He's got a place and a purpose for everyone. Uh, you can never just say, well, you know, I'm an insignificant person. Not to God. You're not, your child's not. No one's insignificant. We look at people sometimes and we think, well, you know, they lived life and they were a good person and, well, you know, they didn't really, in, in, you know, didn't really make a huge difference in the world. How do you know? How do you know? You don't. You don't know what effect they have on one person who could impact a whole world. The man who came and did a three-week revival in a little country town, and nobody got born again except one little boy. And I believe that was D.L. Moody. And he preached the gospel. Millions were saved. One little boy. That man thought, I've wasted three weeks. Just one little boy. One little boy who changed the world. So no one is insignificant. No action is insignificant. 
as long as we follow the plan of God for, I mean, we, we look at things like that and we think about the plan of God and we think, okay, it's like this big picture. No, it's today. What's the plan for today? You know, you walk out the plan of God one day at a time. And so what's the plan for today? Yeah, we might have long-range goals. Lester Summerall, his goal was to win a million people to the Lord, and he far surpassed that in his lifetime. That was his goal, and that was the plan of God for him. But every day he walked it out, every day, until it added up to a million and more. So don't just... Um, If I could just get you to understand how important these things are. Just if you just just get a get a handle on how important this is. Never to just take a back seat in parenting and go, well, they're old enough to do make their own choice. Yeah, they're old enough to make their own choice, but you need to pray. You need to pray. And then last week we spent the entire session on praying that your child finds the right mate in life. You know, and we went through a lot of things, and after church I had a lot of people say a lot of things to me, and, and it was, um, I was, I was glad to spend as much time on it as I did. And if you weren't here, you need to just go back and, and listen to it because there's just too much in it. Um, but uh, just I wanted, just a couple of things I wanted to go back, go back through, you know, Finding the right person to spend the rest of your life with is one of the biggest decisions that will ever impact your life and the plan of God in your life. And so your child needs to find that right person. And, you know, so they get emotionally attached to somebody that's not the right person. That's not to say they're a bad person. It's just they're not the right person. And if they're not the right person for your child, your child's not the right person for them. They're not going to be a help to one another if it's the wrong fit. You understand? You know, there are, I mean, I, I, was, I was talking to somebody last week, and, and they were telling me about a situation that they had been in that, that um, they, they didn't follow through on, thank the Lord, and, and so they, they wound up marrying someone else, and, and they were telling me that had they, had they chosen the path, the path of the first person that was in their life, that person would not have been the person that could have helped them during a crisis they had faced. They just wouldn't have. That was just not in them. That was not their nature. It was not their nature to push and say, you can do this. Now you stop that and you get a hold of yourself and you get back with the things of God. You get back on fire with the things of God. They wouldn't have done that. They were just going, well, whatever you want. But said the one they wound up with is the person who would push them, encourage them, help them, pray for them. It makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. And so remember we talked about last week about the very first thing that someone really ought to, ought to, uh, to really go to was, was something I had found in a, I don't even know where, I don't know if it was in a story I was reading, an article I was reading somewhere, where this young woman had, no, I think it was a young man had said that when he, when he looks at anyone as a potential just person to even date, um, he says, tell me your story. What does that mean? Tell me the story of how you came to know Jesus. That should be one of our first 
parts of conversation with somebody that we might even consider it's a possibility that we might want to have anything more than a friendship with. Tell me your story. And if they can't tell you their story, if they have no story to tell, you need to say, nice knowing you, and move on. Seriously. It's the starting place. Uh, Do they love God? Do they really love God? They may say they love God, but do they love God? Their actions will speak louder if you just look. Do they actually serve God? Some people say, well, I love God, but there is no evidence they serve God at all. Um, Take a look at at their actions and see. Do they believe what you believe? Ask your child this. Do they believe what you believe? It makes a difference because we know because we know what we've been exposed to about the word of faith and about our authority in Christ. You know, we know that healing absolutely 100% without a doubt belongs to us. And you need, your child needs to find somebody they can marry who believes the same thing because there will come a day in all of our lives where we need our spouse to pray the prayer of faith over us and stand in agreement and pray and help us. Oh, my heavens. I mean, in our house, I mean, yes. We've had that more times than one. Where, I mean, you know, you just get discouraged to the situation, and the other one is there to say, come on, we can do this. It's not a you, it's a we. It's a we. It's we. No one should find themselves in a place where they're destined to do everything spiritually on their own, and yet they're married. If we find the right mate to start with, if our children find the right mate to start with, that won't happen. That won't happen. Amen. Uh, are they interested in the, in the plan of God that, for your life? See, by the time somebody's ready to get married, they ought to have a good idea about what the plan of God is for their life. How does this person fit into that plan? Do they fit into that plan? Can they go along with that plan? I said I'd never marry a preacher. I didn't. I married a hippie. <laughs> you know, but when, but when God's call came on, I was going, mm, mm, no, 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 no. But it took some time, you know, and finally we're walking in the same direction. But, you know, we ought to start out. We want our children to start out walking the same direction to begin with. I mean, that's what we want for them. We don't want them to have to struggle through years of trying to make it work or, or just put up with the fact that it won't work. It doesn't work. God can do many things. But the best option is to start out with the right person. Can they keep pace with you? Can they keep and stay in step with you in the things of God? Can you walk in harmony and in unity in God's plan? How do they mesh with family? I had that on the list here last week, and, and I had so much stuff on this page that I didn't get. So today I highlighted some of what I didn't get to last week. How do they mesh with a family? You know, I'll be honest with you. I, it, took me, it took me a little bit of learning, but as the mother of sons, I had to wake up to the fact, and I have two great daughter-in-laws, thank the Lord, um, but I had come to a realization that when my children, my sons, got married, I was replaced as the most important woman in their lives. And that is how it's supposed to be. 
and I've sat down with more, more than one mother who was seeing a son get married and I said, you and I need to talk. This is what you need to do. If you want to maintain a relationship with your son, you be a great mother-in-law to that wife of his because she is now the more important person in his life. That is the place God intends for her to have. Never put your son in a place where he has to make a choice and actually have to voice it. He's already made his choice. His choice is this woman he has married. And that's where his choice has to be. My husband got put in that position one time. He looked at his mother and said, Mama, I love you, but she's my wife, and I will stand by her regardless. That was an eye-opening experience for her and for me. Um, it, uh, it made me think, you know, God's brought me back to that you know, after when my sons got married. And so it really pays to make sure that you pray so that your child finds the person who, is, who becomes an integral part of the family, not someone who can separate, alienate, and divide a family. You know, they're over in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians, it talks about proving all things. And I, I know in one sense of the word it doesn't maybe apply in this situation, but yeah, I can see how it does apply. You know, I believe there is, um, a Williams translation says, continue to prove all things until you can approve, until you can approve them. And the 20th century says, bring everything to the test. You know, sometimes it takes time. And your children, you need to pray that when your children start looking at somebody as a potential mate, that they take the time to prove them. Why are they here? Why do they say they love God if we don't see any evidence that they love God? They need to take the time to let it be proven out. I gave you the example of Stephen and Rachel Morgan. Stephen was not going to get, let himself get emotionally attached to Rachel until after she was born again, spirit-filled, and on fire for God. There was no possibility in his mind that he was going to pursue anything until he saw that she was born again, spirit-filled, and on fire for God. Learning, growing, reaching, pressing in, going higher in the things of God. Now she's a candidate to date. And, of course, you know, they're married and been married for, what, about 15 years. But, see, that's the smart way to do it. You, that takes prayer. It takes prayer. And, and your parents can help by praying these things out. Um, you know, I, I actually had another conversation last week with somebody, and I meant to say this, and I hadn't written it down. And they had told me that they had made a, a, a checklist about what they wanted in a mate. They had a spiritual checklist and a natural checklist. And let me tell you, that's a grand idea. Your children get old enough, you know, start thinking along the, time, and along the lines of, of, oh, I'm looking for a wife, I'm looking for a husband. Sit down, talk to them, pray, pray with them, help them pray about making a list, writing it down. Not just something they just kind of think, well, you know, okay, I need this, I need this. No, actually write it down so they can come back at some point and actually go over it, review it, and say, yes, 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 oh, this is a problem. This one right here is a problem. Now, listen, 
I said a natural and a spiritual checklist. Spiritual checklist is the biggest one. But a natural checklist is a good one too. Do they know how to handle money? Do they have a lot of debt? Can they keep a job? There's a lot of natural standpoints that we need to take a look at. I don't care how spiritual somebody looks. I don't care how spiritual somebody acts. If the man can't keep a job, he's not going to marry my kid. Mm -hmm. Because you know it's going to happen if you you, uh, don't pray that out. You're going to be supporting them. Mm -hmm. And then what happens when kids come along? Then you're going to be supporting them and raising their child for them. So there's a natural and spiritual checklist. These are things you can pray about. Sit down and have conversations about with your children. And I said last weekend, and I don't, I don't, I don't have any reason to go back on what I said, but you're, we, we have too sexualized our children at young ages. We, we want them to look sexy and things. Listen, our children don't need to look sexy. They need to look wholesome. There's an attractive way to dress that doesn't expose things. And I, and I, I was reminded since last Wednesday night that there are some young men who need to have a little talking to about some things they wear. It's not just the ladies, not just the girls that need to be talked to. In, in, in uh, our day of skinny jeans, it's not always appropriate And I will leave that right there. (laughs) But we sexualize our children much too much. We we, we get into this habit, you know, when they're five years old. Do you have a boyfriend? Oh, you have. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. No, it's not cute. It's not cute. It's not sweet. They don't need a boyfriend at five. They don't need a boyfriend at 15. They don't need a boyfriend at 16. They don't need a boyfriend at 17. They don't need one at 18. They need to grow up. And find out what life has for them and then make a decision. Then put things in place. Then begin to go, go looking for someone they can share their life with. But yo, yo, we let them go. We let them watch these, these crazy movies and, and stuff, you know, where people are sleeping together all the time and, and running around and the children are lying to parents and, and, they're, and they're, you know, showing all kinds of skin and all kinds of things. And we, and we let this get into their heads. And then we wonder, what happened? What happened? You know, stay in the role of a parent as long as you can and let go as you need to. And when they don't make the right decisions at an age where they don't have any business making that decision, step in. Step in. I know when they get to be teenagers, people have this attitude, I want to be their friend especially in, in homes where there's a blended family, you know, and you've got this parent here who's custodial, the other parent and maybe who has, who has them part of the time, you know, and, and it seems that there's always a jockeying for this kid's affections and attention, and you just want to give in because we don't want to make them angry because then they'll like the, the other parent better that I'm not married to anymore. Stop it. Just be a parent. Just do what Norman Schwarzkopf said. Just do the right thing. They'll love you down the line. Too bad if they don't like you too much right now. It's okay. If, if they don't like you today, it's all right. Tomorrow it'll change. And when they get out on their own, they'll, they'll come to realize how much you did for them, how much you loved them, how much you loved them enough to say no to them. 
Hallelujah. And I've got two more that I better get to, or else we won't stop. Uh, next week, while well, I'm thinking about it, next week, if you've got some questions along the lines of praying for your children, would you write them down? I, I thought about, you know, we had talked about maybe if we had time tonight, doing that tonight at the end, and I got thinking, no. I don't think so. I think people need to write them down and hand them to me so that it's not obvious who they came from, so nobody makes any assumptions about any situation you might be talking about. So if you've got some questions, write them down, and we'll try to cover some next week. Amen. So, okay, number eight. Number eight, this, one of the things that you need to pray about your, for your children is that they have a heart for other people. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave. That is our model. We need to raise our children in such a way that they understand that you love people and so you give. You give your time, you give your attention, you give your effort, you give your money, you give, you give. You just give. Why? Because you want them to see that the people that come in contact know and love God as much as they do. You know, Matthew talks about the fact Jesus, it's talking about Jesus, he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Too often we forget that it's not all about us. And, and we don't need to raise our children in such a way that the world revolves around little Jimmy. Where's Jimmy? Big, or Big Jimmy. The world doesn't revolve around you, little child. You have come into our lives, and we love you dearly, but you have become a member of a family. It's not all about you, sweetheart. And when we make sure they understand it's not all about them, that their, their responsibility is to reach out to other people, it's an important lesson. Uh, you know, you go back... You know, and in Luke, Jesus said, I am among you as he that serves. You go into, into the epistles. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the fact that we're one body. Ephesians 4 talks about being fitly joined together. Galatians 5 talks about serving one another. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. What's it for? To serve others. That's what it's for, to serve other people. You know, we've been called... In Matthew 5, it talks about the fact that we are salt and we are light. You know, as salt and light in this world, it's about being a light to other people. A light that draws people to Jesus. They ought to be able to see Jesus in our children. And thank God, you know, we have kids around here you know, that we've seen over the years who have done exactly that. They have been a light in the schools that they were in, they've been a light in the jobs that they've taken, you know, as they've grown into maturity and the things that they've done, you know, as they've just, they've just grown. I mean, you know, I, I look at Josh back there, you know, he, he was, how old were you when y'all first started coming to church here, Josh? Four or five. And now, I won't say how old you are, it's okay. But he's grown up here, he's gone through college, he's gotten married, he's got children of his own, he teaches in the high school, he's a light and has been a light to hundreds of kids who've come through. But it didn't start when he got to be an adult. It started when he was young. You know, so we need to teach our children to just be open to others, to have a heart for other people. If, if they understand, you know, if we raise them in such a way they understand how big God is, how wonderful God is, 
What a great father he is. How can they not share that with someone else? They need to have a heart for other people. And number nine is boldness. You need to pray that your children have boldness. Now, I'm not talking about in-your-face, antagonistic toward people, but the boldness to step out in any opportunity that comes their way. Proverbs 28 says, The righteous are bold as a lion. Ephesians, you know, Paul said, pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly. You know, I have, I have grandchildren as, as well as other people in the church you know, who've, been, who've been in school, you know, who, who wanted to make a difference, who wanted to reach out to others. And they were bold enough to take it upon themselves on a playground to introduce another child to Jesus. I remember when Callie was growing up. I mean, she was, she was on a roll, hallelujah. You know, she wanted X amount of people born, born again on the, during the school year. You know, that takes boldness to do that. You know, so we need to pray at all times that, that they have that boldness. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Go over there. Let's just read it. 2 Timothy. One, verse seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Um, the Amplified says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity. The timid person will never share Jesus. The timid person will never say, let me pray for you. The timid person will never reach out to somebody and say, I know somebody who's got the answers. His name is Jesus. But we've been delivered from that. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. There are times that it's just going to take boldness. In the days in which our children are currently living, it's going to take boldness for them to stand up and be a witness that they ought to be. Just going to have to be bold. They're going to have to get to a place where they don't care what other kids think. They don't care what other teachers think. They don't care what anybody thinks. We need to pray they're bold enough to take a stand for the things of God, to stand up for what's right, to stand up for the things they believe in, to participate in the things of God. You know, you, you get kids together and sometimes they, you know, they don't want to. That's why youth camp is so great for the kids is because they get into an environment where there's all these other kids worshiping and praising God. And it's easy for them to get in the middle of that. But we need to pray that they have boldness to do that anytime, anywhere that they find themselves. They need to have boldness to follow God's plan I said this one time, I don't know, we were talking about faith, and I said, let me see if I can get this right. God doesn't want us to step out. Let's see, well, how did that go? I wish I had written that down. Um, I'll have to, no, never mind. I, I don't want to get it wrong, so I don't even want to try that. But these are all these things, you know, that, that need to be prayed for your children. Listen, prayer for your children is probably more important today than it's ever been. There is an all-out assault on the generation that's coming up. 
there is an there is an enemy out there who wants to pervert everything that we know as godly, as wholesome, as good, and change the meaning of everything. Our schools are in the business right now of changing the way our children think about things. We have got, come to a place where they've been surrounded by it. They've been hammered with it from every, every area of society and media that they be, are beginning to, to have a generation that thinks, there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this. I see stories, you know, about a seven-year-old who is convinced that they're, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. What does a seven-year-old know about that kind of thing except what they've been influenced by? That's what the enemy is trying to do right now. I'll be honest with you. Parenting today for people who have children who are 18 and under is so different than what it was when we raised our children because my children are in their 40s. It is so different today because morals have changed so dramatically. The way people have, have taken what is white and said now it's black, and what is black is now white, and blue, who knows what that is, you know, that this was wrong, but oh, now it's fine, you know, it's just a choice. No, it's the devil is what it is. Our children are under attack, and if we don't pray, they won't survive. But I'm telling you what, I believe there is a generation of parents, of parents who are going to get a hold of what it means to pray. And they're going to get good at it. And they're going to get consistent at it. And they're going to get bold in their faith, bold in their believing, bold in their asking, bold in their declaring, bold in their authority. And take authority of the things that our children are having to face day after day after day of all ages, of all ages, from the young all the way right on up. Our higher institutions of learning are turning out people who are ungodly. They're there to change the people who go in there. They're right, they're right, their whole premise, 95% of what I see, seems to point in the direction of changing the next generation into something that you and I don't even recognize. And it's important that we pray. You don't have children who are those ages. Hey, let God put somebody on your heart and join your faith to the parents of those children. You have grandchildren. Maybe, they're, maybe you have grand, grandkids and their parents aren't people who are going to pray. You pray. There are numbers of people in this auditorium who have been greatly influenced by godly grandparents. And there's no reason why you can't be that godly grand grandparent. Even if you don't have children who believe like you believe, who don't pray for their children, you can be a help to them. You can, you can help them pray. They may not know it now, but, but you know, it'll, take, it'll take root later on. You'll, you'll see the things that you pray out now for grandchildren take, take root in their lives. Um, there is a promise. I found this. And I wrote this down. There's still a promise when children have not followed God. Don't, get, don't accept or give up 
until you have seen your children become who they are intended to be. Jeremiah 31, 16 and 17 says, Thus says the Lord, Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work, your prayers, that's your work, your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children should come back to their own border. Don't ever give up praying. I don't care how old your children are or how far they look like they've strayed. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be mindful. Become Holy Ghost parents. The Holy Ghost will help you. He will alert you. He will put you, you know, in contact with who you need to be in contact with. He will, he will, he will put you in a place where you suddenly know something. Listen. There's been many times, and I've talked to many parents here in this church, that they have, they have run their children down at a certain time in their life and, and because they knew something was going on, because the Holy Ghost told on them. The Holy Ghost is a great tattletale. If you're a parent, he will, he will help you. He will alert you, alert you. He will tell on your, on your kids. And you can go straighten something out before it gets to a place of no return. So you become Holy Ghost-filled parents who understand your place of prayer, your place of authority. It's not just a place that you can take. It's a place you must take. You must take it. If you want to see your children, the generation coming after you and your family, be all that they can be, it will only happen as you give yourself to pray for those children. So I want you to understand and take a renewed look at your kids, no matter what age, and let God direct your prayers for them. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.